Hello and welcome to another episode of Casting Reflections on Black Mirror, the podcast that takes an episode of Black Mirror and, as it says, cast reflections. As always, I'm Dan P and I've got Dan S with me. Hi, Dan. Hi, yeah. Good evening. More importantly, we've got a third person joining us and it's actually quite funny because the episode has got three parts, so it's worked out perfectly almost. I've got James from Seismic Cinema. Hi, James. Hi, folks. How are we doing? Okay. Very good, very good. Although I'm a bit worried because last time we had someone from your pod, it almost got them chucked out of the pod at a seismic cinema. <laughs> so have we got we, we we're all good. We've got permission for you your appearance tonight. <laughs> we're all good. Tell above board. The last time, <laughs> the last time Colin was on, um, he missed one of our pods, the Big Trouble Not China pod, and um, yeah, so we we were let loose for the night because Colin is the one who usually hosts the, the pods. <laughs> and um, yeah, so we were let loose, Paul and I. So we're still there. So it couldn't have been that bad. <laughs> okay, but well, as long as as long as we're all all right, as long as we're all all right. So actually, I should say, yeah, fellow Podpack member from the, the Seismic Cinema. Yeah. So as you said, it's a little group of us um, spearheaded by Chat Tsunami. We've got yourselves. We've got Casting Views. We've got Review It Yourself. Uh, nerdstalgic and two girls one reusable cup i think i've covered us all haven't i so yeah do you just want to give people just the uh the selling pitch for for your podcast no pressure then call them and be <laughs> listening to us <laughs> yeah so um i'm james from seismic cinema and we are a movie and tv podcast to just review anything and everything pretty much we've also got a, a sister podcast as well called seismic soccer and it's just generally kind of talking about, you know, previous um, links to football, just, you know, up and coming news. We, we love the glory days of, you know, Premier League world football. So pretty much anything is up for debate on our Seismic Soccer podcast. You can find us on pretty much every social that's out there. YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Threads. Uh, Facebook, Instagram and all that stuff. So yeah, so if you like movies and TV shows, as well as your football podcast, then come and check us out. Have you have you done any podcasts about movies with football in them? Could do like a crossover, crossover. Yeah, well, not yet. It's a good, a good shout though. Um, we've, we did a planning meeting recently and we have pretty much done six months of planning. So, and one, that has not come up yet. So... Well, that's that's organised. Yeah. That's organised. Yeah. Yes, it has to be. It has to be, man. I, I was a big. I was a big fan of Mean Machine. I thought that was a brilliant film. There you go. There's a football about film about football and um, films. Is that one with Vinnie Jones in it? Vinnie Jones. Yeah, I, yeah. I really liked it. Vinnie Jones. Thanks for that, James. Dan, might as well, as we've got the advertising going around, do you, just, do you want to talk about just football while we're here? Because then we should set up a friendly, actually, with Seismic Soccer. But do you want to talk? Yeah. I've done this to you again, haven't yeah, you've I? You've done it again. <laughs> Absolute, absolutely zero warning. Um, yeah, so we we are a podcast about football, so we're called Just Football. Um, you can find us at Just Football Pod on X or formerly known as Twitter. And on on Instagram, uh, we we do it weekly. So we, we aim for like recording on the Mondays to talk about the weekend that's just gone uh, for release on Tuesdays. We try and do a bit more outside the prem as well, um, a bit kind of across the world. But yeah, come and join us. Um, talk about football. Yeah, I'm, I'm up for a friendly match. Yeah, let's yeah, do yeah, it. There we go. Yeah, we'll get that sorted out. We'll get that sorted out. Yeah, let's get let's get on with the show then. So we are doing season four, episode six, Black Museum. Now, James, I think you specifically, I remember you reached out because you you really liked this episode, didn't you? You wanted to to specifically be on this one. Yeah, so I reached out to you um, to talk about the USS Callister initially, and I just think our schedules get um, mixed yeah. up and things. So this is pretty high up my list in terms of. Um, being the best so I was quite eager to come on and discuss it and hear your thoughts good good and Dan don't say anything now but I'll be eager to hear your view because when I initially mentioned this episode your first thought was you didn't like this but you're not sure if you mixed it up I want you to keep it now a secret kind of till the end <laughs> okay I will be honest I I don't recall this episode I've got a feeling I must have seen it but these these early series I do I do seem to have forgotten so much about them 
because it's it's a fairly lengthy episode. So it was, as always, written by Charlie Brooker, directed by Cole McCarthy, and debuted on the 29th of December 2017. Now, this for me was very reminiscent to White Christmas in that it felt like a feature length episode and there was three distinct bits to it, which seemed to link up. Normally I say who's in it. I'm only going to call two people out really because you've got the two people that link all, all stories. You've got Douglas Hodge as Rollo Haynes and Letitia Wright as Nish. And and again, another one, Letitia Wright, another one who appeared in Black Mirror a year before she kind of got big in, in Marvel. So we've had a few now. Oh my God, Agent Carter. What's her name? Hayley Atwell. <laughs> yeah. I'd forgotten. We had obviously um, the guy from Doctor Strange. I'm forgetting all the names now. And I'm sure there was someone else. We had Falcon, didn't we, in a, in a later one? But I think that was after. I think that was after he played Falcon, though. But we should check that date. But yeah, he did appear. Yeah, yeah. Letitia Wright, a, a, the year before she appeared in uh, Black Panther. So it starts off with her. She's driving through like a desert type terrain. She pulls up at a petrol station, which was called BRB. Be right back. And I think what I was, what I should say here as well, normally I do a thing on Easter eggs, but this episode is basically one massive Easter egg, right? Again, which will explain. So I'm, I'm only going to call out some specific ones. Otherwise we'll be here all night just talking about those. And at first I didn't pick it up at first. So I was saying, oh, look, that was from this episode. Then I realized what was going on. So I gave up. So she pulls up at the petrol station, deserted, no one else there. And across the way, she sees a building called Rollo Haynes Black Museum. She goes there, but it's shut. She then keeps knocking on the door. And I think Rollo opens the door and he looks kind of like a um, like a circus ringmaster, doesn't he, in, in his appearance. She speaks to Rollo. He opens the door. They start talking and she enters the museum um, after going through a detector. And again, this is where I started picking up things. So we see Victoria Scalane from White Bear. We see the main museum, there's a robot bee um, from Hated in the Nation, the Archangel tablet, bloodied and damaged. So the fact, the fact that that was there, bloodied and damaged, we know that this is in the universe, actually real time in the universe, as it were, not like a parallel version. You know, through conversation, he says it's it's a museum of authentic criminological artifacts. If it did something bad, it's in here. He says most people rush through. To go to the main ex- exhibit. So again, we've got this mystery of this main exhibit behind a curtain, then give it a one star review. And he comes up, he starts talking about this one particular artifact. So he, he says the first one we get our first story on is called the, and I've got to say this right, the Dawson's Symphatic, Symphatic Diagnosis Machine. And this is then when we get the flashback. Now it goes to St. Juniper's Hospital, which I'm going to assume is the one in San Junipero. I think we can, we can probably agree on that and yeah to kind of summarize this story i mean this one went to places where i didn't think it would go towards the end of this one so a doc- you see a doctor treating a patient the patient dies and rollo appears he's in a suit so he's obviously not this museum owner at the time he's saying he can help him um you know he's saying it wouldn't it be good to know why the patient's died i've got something that we should talk about goes back to the office pulls out two stuffed rats and the, the funny thing i learned about these two rats and the names he gave them were the names of the characters in shut up and dance so again yeah that was a, that was yeah i thought i'd call that one out because i thought that was quite funny so he pulls the two rats out and he demos um what you know on them what would be a brain transmitter but what he'd actually be doing is transferring physical experience so it's not memories as such but it's what that person or what that entity is feeling he then pulls out the bigger device and says you know imagine as a doctor if you could feel what your patient does you know he says there there are patients that can't talk whether it's language barrier or they're too young think about how we could get to get help for them quicker the doctor agrees to it and has this weird almost like frankenstein's bolt implant isn't it in into his neck which yeah, it just feels odd when we see all the tech, streamlined tech we've had. Paired up to it is, I, I call it, I've actually called it like a hairnet. And it does, doesn't it? It looks like a big sort of technological hairnet. Put it on a patient and the feelings, he then feels what the patient's feelings and could get to diagnosis straight away. But it's obviously clear that he's starting to really enjoy the fact that he can do that. 
and you get the first sign, obviously. And I was going to ask a question. Either of you can answer it or or decline to answer if you want. But he then starts wearing it during sex with his girlfriend, right? Because he wants to get that sensation. So I guess the question is, would curiosity <laughs> take over? And would you? I mean, don't have to answer it. But. Um, it's hard to know how to answer that question uh, without being faced with it. But I, I do wonder if curiosity would get the better of you. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Is the, is the honest answer? He obviously becomes addicted to it. So it's obviously something he's curious about, and then becomes addicted to it because every time something's happening between the two of them, she's always wearing that that blue that blue head mask, which I reckon must become quite annoying um, after a while. But yeah, I, I I think I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer <laughs> to that question is. Non-committal. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. James, any view on that? Because I guess what he's saying is he, he he's saying from a medical standpoint, he's obviously feeling his own orgasm as well as experiencing the, the, the female one at the same time. So he's saying for medical purpose, that's why he's doing it. Um, aye. I mean, it's good to be curious, isn't it? I, I don't know. I think I might have to sit in the fence of that one as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's, yeah. Move, let's move on swiftly. It feels like there's a line between being curious and sick. And I, yes. I, don't, know where, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know where that line is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, moving on, moving on. Um, so then a patient comes in, I think it's a senator comes in, he's experiencing a pain that he hasn't known. Um, so he puts the, the transmitter on, and he doesn't know what he's feeling. Then the, I believe the patient dies, and I think he dies for five minutes, and then they bring him back. And it's at that point, something then kind of almost snaps, it feels like, in the doctor's brain, doesn't it? it was That's the moment where you feel he starts to become addicted to the sensation because this patient's died and has come back and it, it obviously kind of affected him he, he seemed to get a kick out of it so much so that an elderly patient comes into the hospital is having a cardiac arrest and doesn't start treating her initially because he wants to feel the pain that this this lady's going through anyway so I think he's because of that he's suspended and then during the suspension, he ends up accidentally hurting himself. I think he breaks a mug and cuts himself and realizes he enjoys the pain. And then it leads to a horrible scene, isn't it? Where you hear, you hear sort of all sorts of things. And, and he's in front of his bathroom mirror, isn't he? And he's cutting himself. And you see chunks with... of finger, don't you? And mm-hmm. like lumps yeah. of like body. I found that scene really, really difficult to watch. Because it's quite graphic, isn't it? It was hard to watch. His teeth were coming out as well, weren't they? Yeah. Oh, oh that's yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what it is with me? It's teeth. Yeah. Anything with teeth in a horror film or something, and that's what that's what creeps me out. It's it's, it's eyes for me. If he was to go near his, his eyes, it would be. Oh, I'd have to turn yeah. it turned it off. It's, yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah. No man. <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah. So basically, he's starting to mutilate himself because he's not treating patients. That's how he's now getting his kicks. But there's a narration. I think Rollo's saying that ultimately, though, the problem he was having is after a while, what he's missing is you know. He said, "When you hurt yourself, you know you're going to hurt yourself." He said, "What was missing was the fear," and this is then when it kicks up at another level. So he basically kidnaps a homeless person. And murders them, and again he, he's he's torturing, but he's torturing them first, right? You see, when they get to him, he's got a drill, isn't he? And and you don't see anything graphically, but you know he's obviously torturing him to get his kick. So so basically, I've probably not done that too much justice, but it is a real descent from this guy being obviously a top doctor into to almost being like um, American Psycho type of thing. Well, yeah, yeah, he, he's it's an addiction, yeah, then, yeah. isn't it? He's it's almost like a descent into hell. And I think because of that, he then ends up in a coma and that's how his story ends. But the one thing I will say then before hand over is what I love about stories where it's being narrated or being recounted by someone. Rollo, when he's telling Nish the story, says that he got so turned on by murdering the homeless guy that he got an erection and in his coma, he's got a permanent one. And she's like, so really? And he goes, no, I, I lied about that bit. And then it changes to, to just seeing him in his coma without... um. The, the tent pole in. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually thought yes. I actually thought his narration was actually really good. Like the, the way he kind of t- told yeah. the story, and even with the rats, 
uh, when he kind of because initially it was about transferring knowledge, didn't it? And he went into so much detail about the rat having the, having the other person's knowledge, and then Nish was like, "Did it work?" He goes, "No, of course not." But but this happened, and I thought that was yeah, that was yeah. quite a cool swerve in in the commentating. He's an excellent character in this. Yeah. The, the way he portrays it. So yeah, so that's what we compartmentalise as story one. So should we go through all of them and then comment about some of the technology? I think, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's do that. Okay. So James, you, you're up next for uh, story two. Right, okay. Um, so story two was the monkey teddy bear. So Nish kind of, as she kind of passes the, 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 the helmet, moves on to the, and sees the teddy bear in the, in the glass cabinet. And of course, she asks, she's quite curious about that, asks about, you know, how is this basically, why is this in here? Is this, you know, has this created a crime? And then of course, Rolo goes into his story and he's in story mode again. So this story featured Jack and Carrie. It's kind of started at how they met. And I could be wrong here. I think they met at a party. And does Carrie fall pregnant at that point after the party or just after? Anyway, they, they're, you know, they're, they're together, raising their boy, but Carrie suffers a severe brain injury, and Jack, she's in a coma, and Jack wants to reconnect with her in some way, shape or form, and she's in the hospital, and out of nowhere, we've got, you know, Rolo, who comes in again, you know, I've, I've got, he's like a kind of car salesman, isn't he? He's like, he comes in and he goes, I've got something, <laughs> yeah. I've got something for you here, you know, this might, this, this might work. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah. He says he's got some, you know, groundbreaking technology that can transfer consciousness. So, quite curious about that. He decides to implant the consciousness into um, Jack's head. Yeah, because he says we only use 40% of our brain, so we've got 60% of our brain doing nothing. Yeah. He said, yeah, so why why not use it? Yeah. Before that, there was kind of, kind of, you know, technology being used where the, the buttons were in, being used in the hospital where they could, you know, could try and get yes, some yeah. sort of emotion from her. Um, but they transferred the consciousness to um, Jack's head. So essentially what would happen there then, the, the wee device they'd have on, um, she could see and feel everything that he feels. So, yeah, yeah that's quite an interesting part as well when we find out with that one. So, Carrie's still to communicate with Jack again through this kind of neural interface. As things start to progress, you know, she's happy that, you know, she can see her boy, you know, you can't speak speak to him essentially, but, you know, at least she can see him kind of growing up. And But imagine having someone in your head talking to you all day, you know, and so... There's a there's a, a bit in in this story where you know he's I can't remember where he was exactly, but he's in a lift and a female walks through the, into the lift, and he <laughs> and so she's she's still switched on so she she can see what he's seen, and essentially he he turns his eye towards the female and it's like I can't believe you're looking at her you know he's a uh, yeah and he's like oh I'm not looking at her and she says to him well I can feel your erection just now as 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 we speak. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm going, all right, so that I didn't realise that, so that was interesting. But all this time, you start to see the this relationship beginning to you know unravel because he's starting to get annoyed now. And it was it, the kind the novelty period's worn off, starting to get annoyed now. So I've, I've said here, he's speaking to the females, and she's starting to kind of control him to a certain degree um, of you know, who he can can't speak to. So he shuts her off and. He turns the, the interface off. We then see a clip where he turns it back on again, and, and it's like their anniversary or something. And it's Halloween, and she sees the you no, know, she's he's in, he's talking to her. I think he's facing the mirror at the time, or he's no, he's in the room actually, and you can see the pumpkins and things and on the table. And it's like, oh, um, why did why did you do that? And he's like, sorry, I won't do it again. But then, interestingly for me, she said, why is the pumpkins on the table? And he goes, well, it's, it's, it's Halloween coming up. And it's an anniversary. So time for her didn't move. It was, it's just sta- it just mm. stayed stationary. But for for him, it, it moved. I think he was off for maybe six or se- seven weeks or something, he said. 
I think it was two months. Two months, yeah. You yeah. Go on pause for two, two months. months. Yeah, yeah. What, what I found funny about that scene was when he kind of said, "To make up for it, I'm going to eat this cake." <laughs> that, that, you know, I've switched you on for six to seven weeks, but this cake will make it worth it. <laughs> yeah, I've got your favourite cake, so when I eat it, you'll enjoy it. You know. <laughs> I mean, you didn't see your son for two months, but if I get this cake, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, so things move on from there. We then see that Chat's got a new neighbour. Again, you can see that you know he's quite interested in her. And to that point where she's kind of arguing with him again, you know, don't talk to her, etc., etc. To the point where he turns her, turns her off again. And then it kind of cuts to a scene where they are... I can't remember the the person next door's name now. I've not written it down. But anyway... Because I seen we're in the park and he's kind of arguing with himself sitting down in the park. He's you can tell that he's obviously arguing with Carrie, but for anyone looking around, he's kind of talking to himself. He's looking very strange. And then it's essentially, you know, he can't handle it anymore. He needs to get her out of his head. So he goes back to the St Junipers, and he wants it to. There has to be some kind of. Well, I think he wants her out completely, but then. You know, as technology advances, roles get a brand new feature. So you can transfer the consciousness to something else. And this is where the teddy bear, the monkey bear, and the black museum. So the Jack decides, along with his new partner, that it would be the best interest to have Carrie's consciousness transferred over to a teddy bear. Yes, yeah, so it kind of cuts from there. We then... We kind of, in a point of view of the teddy bear of Carrie at this point, because we see the, like the wrapping paper getting all getting unwrapped, and you just see Parker, like Parker is the boy's name, his face, and you can see Carrie at this point as well. That you know, wait a minute, so she's, her consciousness is transferred to the teddy bear, so she can't now, she can no longer annoy Jack, she can't feel what he feels, and it's just basically left to she can see, but can't communicate with anyone with the exception of two phrases. So the the bear the, the monkey was for, for Parker and if Carrie wanted to communicate with Parker, the two phrases were um, monkey needs a hug and monkey what was the other one? Monkey Monkey loves you. you. Monkey yeah. loves you, monkey loves you. And then when you cut to Carrie, she's sitting in a chair, whatever button she presses, that is what's said. And yeah, so her consciousness is um, completely now into the into the t- the monkey. It was kind of foreshadowed before that in the hospital with those two buttons as well. So it's kind of progressed yes, into yeah, yeah. It's kind of progressed yeah. into that. As the story you know keeps on going, we still get the narration from Rolo, and he says, like any good toy, people get bored of it. So the monkey is thrown away, and. Basically, Carrie's trapped inside the teddy bear. I keep saying teddy bear, the monkey. Again, can't shut her off. She's constantly visible to the point where the monkey is thrown and she can see Jack and his new partner, I think, maybe starting to kind of have, have sex and then she closes the door over. So as it continues back into the Black Museum, Nish asks Rolo, I don't understand the crime here. And Rolo says, well, it's now... Um, illegal to transfer consciousness to limited formats. Apparently, you need to have at least five emotions, and the the, the monkey doesn't have that. Um, and this is this is what the the law stated by the UN, and it, it was the reason why he got sacked from his job essentially because of this particular incident. So I know I've kind of kind of glossed over a wee bit there, and I've probably missed three bits and bobs out, but. Hopefully, he can come back and kind of patch it up. I think it's a good. No, good I think cover. it covers yeah. it. Yeah, because um, at the end, yeah, the monkey says, Monkey needs a hug, I think. And that's when Nish says, Oh, it's still alive. And he goes, Yeah, because it's also illegal to terminate yes. it. Yeah. We can't kill it. So, uh, yeah, yeah. so it was illegal to put them into anything. And that's why. So, so basically, Carrie is still in there. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard which, to, which it's hard to fathom, isn't it? Because, like, the concept of eternity is really kind of hard like it's hard to get your head around isn't it but she's in she's in there forever just uh yeah. staring into space a couple of things for me on on this little bit before we move on so firstly 
Yeah, I recognise the guy who plays Jack. He's Aldis Hodge from I don't know if if anyone's seen a program called Leverage, but I'd I'd seen him in that. Oh. So it was it was funny seeing him in that. But there was two things. One was it shocked me because yeah, the way she ended up in the coma was she's trying to take a picture of the ba- the boy in the pram, isn't she? She steps backwards into the road and gets hit by a bus, wasn't it? And that 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 kind of really made me jump. The other thing about it, and do you know what? I've just completely forgotten what what that was. I need uh, I need to use the other um sixty percent of my brain more. <laughs> There's also a, um, a bit of foreshadowing in this as well. So as the as she was, I think we were having breakfast at the time, and the t- the television was on. There was like a news report about um, Clayton Lee. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And she told him to turn it off because it was too violent or something like that. He didn't know. He, she didn't want him to be seeing that kind of um, news story. So, which kind of follows on to the next story. The, the term um, but Rollo used or Rollo used, whatever his name was, was a ground of imagine having a backseat driver forever. And just the thought of that, just like, it makes you like yeah. cringe, doesn't it? Inside if someone's always judging your every thought, feeling, the way you, know, way you look at a girl. Um, the, the other thing I found quite interesting about this one, I kind of tried to, was thinking a bit outside the box, is when he's meeting this new girl, um, and starting this new relationship, it's obviously quite hard to tell someone. Oh, by the way, I've got a jealous ex. You know, that's a bit of a red flag as it is. But to have to to have to explain, <laughs> oh, my, that ex lives inside my head and I can't get her out. And I just, I don't know. I'd love to have seen that conversation play out because I think that would have been really fascinating. <laughs> and that's the thing, and that's the thing. And James, you re- you reminded me now of what I was going to say. So I'll come back to that one first before I completely forget it. But. Where I thought the episode was going to go was put yourself in position of the kid. He kept seeing his dad talking to himself, arguing with himself, saying that his mum was there and then that the mum was in the teddy bear. And I thought that that it was going to be something that the kid was going to snap and maybe something was going to happen with the kid because it just, yeah, the guy is arguing with himself like there is somebody and, else and there. the kid's not allowed to grieve properly right like you know the kid's got to get used to the idea of his mum passing away and then being told oh by the way your mum's in your dad's head I, I just don't think as a child that's very healthy and also sorry yeah you you, you raise a really good point james the story about the the murdered weather girl i think is also was also in the first story it was, i think yes, it was mentioned it was. in that so yeah that was a key thing a key thing to call out it's just, it, it, it is a bizarre thing because the other thing I, I'd also picked up on when he realises he can pause her and he paused her for a couple of months, I think they come to an agreement that he pauses her for weekdays and unpauses her for weekends. So it's like the weirdest arrangement, you I know, like a custo- yeah. almost like a custody arrangement, I, isn't it? It's a, yeah, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. He said as well, sorry, um, Dan, the, um, Dan S, rather, he said that, you know, that you know, it's not good. For, it's not good for the the kid to have that. Um, you know, he can't you know grieve properly. But even then, you know, I I don't know at what point he stopped or at all grieved because he, because he threw because he threw the monkey away and then what is that? You know, he knows he's, he knows his his mum's in there. Yeah. But you know, he just threw it away. So what, what does that symbolise? I don't know. So it's going to be a question to, to ponder. But that's the other thing. The fact that it's in a teddy bear, right? Because when the kid gets like 16, 17, when the kid gets to 20, 25, he's going to have to have, to, you know, have a teddy bear, bring a teddy bear around with him all the time. And at some point, it's going to look a bit odd, right? <laughs> yeah, that's my mum. He's going to go to his 21st birthday party. Never have, have, have yeah. <laughs> <laughs> speech, mum, speech. <laughs> Do you, do you not feel that when this decision was made, there was kind of like no long-term thinking? So when they were in that hospital, it's kind of like, it was kind of just in the short term, wasn't it? Oh, this will be quite cool short term. <laughs> but it was just no thought until it impacts the rest of your life. But this is what I was going to say, because clearly, obviously, Jack himself is grieving. So I think the, the opportunity to have his wife with him again, yeah. you can imagine is great. But then... Like you said, they're they're together almost in spirit and voices. But yeah, he is a bloke, and like I said, the the neighbour moves in. He, the scene with the lift, James, that you pointed out. Yeah, he checks he checks the uh, you know the behind of that, that woman out because he now then wants to move on. So it's like he wants to keep her with him, but then has realised that in the end he now can't have 
Well, he's he's almost living an odd life, isn't he? He can't have the life then that he probably would have done if he'd have grieved and moved on. Mm-hmm. Was there was there anything else about this one? I think we can come back to this one. I've got a couple of questions specifically about the technology. But I feel like we could talk about this one for ages. There's so much ethical like thoughts processes around this one. Well, this this one kind of reminded me of the cookie section from white christmas this this to me felt like a duplicate that especially when you see her she's sitting in a chair as well in his brain isn't she i think so yeah it it feels like that came from that i've kind of written down as well that you know the themes of you know ethical responsibility and the dark side of scientific kind of um innovations i'm a computing science teacher and i talk about technology and software all the time in school and i we talk about testing software, um, make sure it's, you know, it's compatible, make sure it's, you know, it's doing what it's meant to do. And I think this kind of is, you know, the beta testing for this uh, is the, you know, it's something to, to, to think about, you know what I mean? So it's, this is like untested technology yeah. on human beings. You know, it's people's lives and it's it's just kind of playing with people's lives, really, and that's no ethical at all, is it? And and the yeah. thing is, he's, he's put into a position where he has to choose to, you know, he's got the love of his life in a coma and there's a chance to give him some hope. So I think actually in the spur of a moment, you probably would make that decision without the, you know, do you lose the love of your life or do you find a way for him to live on? And I think that's a very... Despite the long-term implications, it's a very hard decision to make, isn't it? I was just going to say, when you've got Rolo there, um, who's the, yeah. the salesman, you know, <laughs> he's convincing, right? Oh, he's, he's, he's convinced you, all right. But this is what I was going to say. So the first story, you can absolutely see why that tech you'd want to use it and why especially a doctor would, because there is a really, really valid reason there. There are people that can't speak the language, children, animals. You could use it on animals, right? They can't talk. But this one, I just can't see where the good in it comes from because putting it into your brain, your mind, that's shown that it, it, it is going to drive you crazy. I mean, if imagine if she just started singing at him, she was annoyed with him, she started shouting just through all, all, all hours of the night. But then also putting it into an object, that object is liable to get thrown away, destroyed, damaged. You know, it, it's odd putting someone's soul or being into that. And yeah, well, what do you then keep doing? Is it like a disk drive that you just take it out of that one and you put it into a new laptop? Do, do you know what I mean? You just keep upgrading. It's it's odd. It's odd. Yeah. I, like, yeah, I, I think I agree with that sentiment. It's the first one you can see the good because of medical science. The second one, it doesn't take long to find the long-term flaws, does it? Um, yeah. where it quickly becomes <laughs> quickly becomes a big, big problem. <laughs> if it was a, a digital version or, or something, you can understand it, but yeah. And remember, he made that decision without knowing the pause button was there. So he made that decision yes. with the knowledge yeah, yeah. that she's going to be in there forever talking to him. And it's... Uh, yeah. I, reckon that's two, I reckon two days before he gets fed up with that. <laughs> I don't reckon it takes him long. <laughs> Because isn't it, yeah, doesn't it become that Rollo at some point almost feels like he's a marriage counsellor yeah. at some point. <laughs> yeah. It's like a therapist, <laughs> yeah, counsellor. And it's, yeah, he goes from sleazy car salesman <laughs> to, to, yeah, marriage counsellor. And he also asked the question as well when they're, you know, getting the kind of final upgrade, so to speak. He asks, is she turned off now? And he's like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, <to> talk. <laughs> so... <laughs> But then, but but also on the, the when she knows the thing, I just sort of now she knows that she's been paused for five days. The first thing when he unpauses her, the first thing she can say is, "What have you done?" And I'm just not to you two, obviously, but to people listening, I just want you to think what you get up to in a week, and imagine if somebody was seeing through your eyes. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, Dan, let's go on to the final bit, and then, like I said, we can obviously come back and cover various things yeah so just before we start a funny bit about this is when i text down this last night so i watched this episode last night but i was watching it late after a long day and i knew i needed to talk through the third story and just as the third story came on i fell asleep <laughs> as i was watching it so i've had to watch the last 20 minutes again to, to write, write the notes um so the, the third story as you kind of touched upon reverts back to Clayton who has been mentioned on news stories in in the previous two episodes 
and Clayton is a is a murder a murderer who's who's about to face trial. And this is a bit where he kind of goes uh, Rollo goes into behind the red curtain, as in his main attraction um, of, of what he's been talking about. Um, and he starts talking to Nish. It's Nish, isn't it? Nisha. Nisha. He starts. He starts talking to Nish about his kind of racist attraction and what happens. And I feel at this point, he's his tone begins to change. Uh, whereas I, I, yeah. I feel like he, even though he talked factually about the other two stories in this in this story, he definitely had a lot of hatred towards a prisoner um, and was kind of using it for his own benefit. But anyway, he goes into what looks like a a prison cell, um, and in the corner there is a what could be described as a a virtual prisoner or a hologram of a prisoner and it kind of later turns on that this this prisoner is kind of a digital upload of Clayton who was was convicted for murderer murder of the weather girl the one that featured oh, in yeah. the two previous years so that's why yeah when I missed it I couldn't believe I missed it out on my recap yeah so then he starts talking about what's happened and he, he, he raised an interesting point which I thought was was good because he kind of said this is kind of like the living Madame Tussauds and they originally designed this technology for celebrities but they found that the yeah. image rights were so much harder um, to get and like legal stuff and he couldn't get it but for convicted killers it was easy <laughs> and I thought that <laughs> bit was, I thought that bit was quite interesting because we have had in, in the modern world haven't we where celebrities have protected the image of their face or copyrighted the image of their face so they can't be used in, in future movies so you know this is definitely a thing well, look, look at the, you know, we've got a couple of football pods here between us as well. The footballer's image rights, that kind of sometimes what causes the transfer and stuff to break down, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's image rights, everything yeah. to, to celebs, yeah. Um, I think Bruce Willis is a famous one, isn't it, who's protected his his image uh, so he can't be used in, in films in the future um, digitally. But anyway, so it kind of cuts back to this story where uh, Clayton is in a prison, well, who goes in with his salesman technique to sell his latest gizmo, probably the most trial and error person we've we've seen. And Clayton's obviously reluctant to to do this to, to start with, but then Wallo gives him the opportunity to say, well, actually, if you do this, if you upload your digital self um, and you do get put down, your family are going to be looked after for life because there's going to be a lot lot of money in this. So he eventually convinces Clayton. I think Clayton, with a in a talk with his wife or his girlfriend, kind of says, "We need to do this." You know, I don't really have a soul. You know, let's let's do this to kind of look after the family. And if I don't get pardoned, then you will be looked after. And at this point, and then it goes on to him getting electrocuted in the electric chair. So he's obviously found guilty of, of murder and gets killed. And at that point, Rollo takes the upload and says it's been successful. It then cuts back to Nish, who then starts to raise some doubt um, in the story. And kind of implied, actually, wasn't there some controversy and wasn't there some evidence to suggest he was is innocent? But Rollo is so kind of in his narrative that this guy was guilty and this was a great day for justice. Um, but he kind of carried on for story. But that's the first kind of moment you begin to detect. There's some disagreement. As I said, he then gets electrocuted after the electrocution. Um, it cuts back to this, this jail cell. And Clayton is what he describes as born again. Um, in in this cell in a museum and it's obviously at this point he's using the digital version of Clayton for his own benefit um, and for and to also almost create a tourist attraction I guess similar to what we saw in that I've forgotten the episode now Scalane, Victoria Scalane, isn't it? Uh, uh, White Bear. White Bear. Yeah, White Bear. Uh, so it's yeah. kind of similar to that where he's created a an electrocution sort of game or, or attraction for people to come in. It's an interactive, interactive game, isn't game, it? Almost, isn't it? Or ex- exhibit, sorry, yeah. It's a theme um, park, wasn't it, White Bear? Like a theme park? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. White Bear was yeah. a theme park. So he's obviously got a lot of people coming into this museum and it flashes back to the museum when it was busier. Clayton is talking to the people that are pulling the, the switch on his, his virtual electric chair and saying, don't do it. So you can tell at this point that the virtual version of Clayton is feeling pain and terror at kind of what he's going through. And it's it's a big draw for the museum and the museum is making um, a, a lot of money for it. Yeah. And just sorry, just to, to clarify, because what happens, there's a lever on the wall. When they pull it, he's instantly, it's like transported into a holographic electric chair. Yeah. 
and he's electrocuted. And I think he said he worked out the optimal time. Yeah. is 10 seconds. 10 seconds. And he, he makes it clear, doesn't he? So 10 seconds is the optimum time. If it was for 15 seconds, it would kill him off or, or, or kill kind of the hologram. Um, so he just has his people pull in 10 seconds at a time, 10 seconds at a time, 10 seconds at a time. And, you know, he's obviously feeling this pain as he's going through it. But the museum, the, the tourists begin to get bored from what I gather. Um, it's not as busy. It's not such a draw. And it begins to kind of dry up a little bit. And then he kind of gets kind of the sick freaks coming, who people who are addicted to this, people who kind of get off from causing pain. And there's a bit of these customers paying extra cash to be yeah. able to pleasure themselves while watching this thing, which is quite disturbing in itself. I think he says, say, or she, she says, sadists and white supremacists ultimately, wasn't yeah. it? Who, who, who start coming in because they're the only ones who want to to interact. The with one us. bit I left off of it actually is is when the, the tourists are able to, when the tourists are pulling the lever and electrocuting this guy, but able to get a permanent reminder in a keyring of, yeah. of. And I wanted to ask you about this. Right, because, yeah, I was going to come back before you gave the big reveal because it's almost like in a Tamagotchi, isn't it? Yeah, it's like yeah. an image of him screaming in a Tamagotchi. So what I didn't know, is it just like a bit of memorabilia? Or I wasn't sure if it was almost like a little bit of him, like the I, the, the image in there was, was real. I think I didn't they know. tried to imply it's like a miniature version of him be like caught in pain. So he, it, was, it was someone who was feeling pain. Yeah. Is that what we think? That's yeah, what I thought, that's what yeah. I think. Okay. Yeah, um, okay, yeah. But quite disturbing to have as a keyring, but um, but but there you go. <laughs> different, black diff, mirror, diff, right? different people like different things, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, as I said, kind of then we get some people disturbed and, and paying more money. But throughout this time, you can tell that the hologram or the hologram version of Clayton is degrading. All this torture he's going through and all this pain, he's obviously becoming less and less human as time goes on, to the point where his wife comes in and there's a question mark of whether he actually recognised who she was. In parallel to this, and when it flashes back to Wallow and Nish, you begin to see Wallow getting more and more sick as time goes on. And then there's a bit of a reveal and it all kind of comes together in a few seconds, doesn't it? Where you realise that the bottle of water that she offered him earlier is actually poison and he's actually slowly almost dying or becoming more sick as time goes on. Um, and she tells him to sit down and reveals that she's actually Clayton's daughter. And, you know, this was a bit more of, of a plain thing. She claims that you should never accept drinks from strangers. And that's what her dad taught her. And as he gets more and more sick, she places a chip onto him. And then she says quite a few things. And I didn't note them all down, which I thought was really clever the way she does it. So what she does is she takes... As she puts the chip in, she uploads a consciousness from Rollo and puts it into Clayton, her dad. And she starts to talk to him about what she's been planning and what's about to happen next. And one of the phrases I picked up and wrote down was, you're about to be a pioneer because you're about to be the first person that goes through a double-decker mercy killing. And like, I feel, I feel like I had to like think that through a little bit as to kind of what she was trying to apply and essentially what she's done is she's put, using the technology that Rollo's designed, she's put his consciousness into her dad. She's then removed the 10 second limit on the electrocution so that when she pulls the limit, it's going to go for longer than 10 seconds and set her dad free. So this is one more electrocution to set her dad free and not be in pain anymore. But he's going to feel it for eternity is kind of, of what I've get is he's going to go beyond that 10 seconds um, and carry on feeling it forever. Um, so she pulls a lever. And the other thing I should here is when she pulls a lever, she's made sure that the monkey from the, the previous story, she's taken it out of the cabinet and the monkey is watching this, this torture go yeah. on, which I thought was quite, yeah. quite clever yeah. as well. So now her dad has been set free. The hologram changes. She gets her little keying with Rollo in constant pain in in the picture she then takes the monkey with her back to the car she then 
she had this thing with the air conditioning, didn't she, where she was able to hack the air conditioning and make... I think she blocked it, basically, blocked so he it. started sweating. He started yeah. sweating yeah. and needed the drink, which is why he got the drink in the first yeah. place. So she does something with the air conditioning that almost sets the museum on fire. And then she, she walks away and gets in the car and drives away. And then the last reveal is that she talks to her mum, who's obviously a consciousness in her head. So she's gone through the yeah. same surgery or the same procedure as the, the second story. So her mum is now sitting in her head um, and saying that she's done a good job. I'm proud of you. And she drives off into the sunset with a bear and her mum in her head. Oh, and she's got the little Tamagotchi of... Uh, on the mirror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So James, I think I'm going to give you the right to reply, first right to reply on this. But yeah, I love this. And all I will say is, because I almost said it at the start of mine, but the other thing I loved, and this is what I think sometimes Black Mirror does well, instead of going through all the Easter eggs, as the episode starts and she's driving, that song, Always Something There to Remind Me, is it Dusty Springfield was playing? Yeah, that's right. Now, when you look back on it, she's got a mum in her head, right? And you could say that's the thing that's reminded her. But now when she drives off, she's got the thing of Rollo as well. Uh, and I just think, because that song plays, and for me anyway, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I, I think often all these things in Black Mirror are perfectly planned. I thought that was a lovely, lovely little twist. But, but yeah, James, so talk to me about this episode right, then. Okay, so I think at the start of the episode, um, of the podcast episode that is, that I kind of gave my game away a wee bit. Um, I loved it. I like the way it's, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like an anthology. It's broken up into wee stories and yeah. I've always been a fan of Black Mirror, but there are some Black Mirror episodes that are a bit sketchy and some are... Definitely, yeah. And some are kind of, you know, I find it hard to engage with at the start. The way they started, I think the characters were brilliant. And I, I just like the kind of segments, it, you know, the narration as well of each of the stories were great. The technology was... I don't know we'll come on to technology in every second or two, but certainly I think the technology, as I said, I like, I'm, I'm a computer science teacher, so, you know, Black Mirror is... You know, right down my, my street, especially when it comes to being, you know, very kind of, you know, dystopian. I love that sort of thing. I, I just, yeah, I think the stories were, it wasn't too long. I don't, I, I know it's kind of a long episode, I think, but I think that it was well paced throughout. Definitely. Yeah. I thought that yeah. it was just enough time just to get as much information, take in, um, be able to go, oh, that's interesting. Have your thoughts on it? And then move on to the next one. And then it kind of built its way, you know, from the very first story, you know, talking about, you know, et, you know how, eth- how ethical it is, or unethical rather, to the, the main attraction and how unethical that was. It, kind of, it, it felt like as if the the ethics became, you know, worse as the story progressed, if yeah. that makes sense. And- no, I, I get it. And especially as he's running a museum with all these artifacts from all the previous episodes. So, you know, he's someone who relishes in this kind of like dark, horrific history of the items behind it. He's he's getting a kick out of it, yeah. it feels like, isn't he? That's his addiction, isn't it? Yeah. So I will say, Dan, I'll pass over to you. I, but I will say I love this. I love the end bit. I love the reveal. I thought it was done really well. I just love the fact that she sort of played the long game as well. Nish played the long game with him and almost allowed him to almost not incriminate himself, but allow it. I do wonder whether, not that she'd need any motivation to do what she did to him, but almost hearing those previous two stories felt like that was almost like all the confirmation she needed that what she was doing, she was justified in. Agreed. And I, and just to add a little bit to what you said there, I think the way she articulated that reveal, so the reveal was good, but I felt like the way she articulated it was was brilliant um, and, and kind of some of the terms that she said. Now, I kind of said to you just before we watched this episode, but I don't remember enjoying this one. And, I, <laughs> I, and the thing is, I've watched it this time and I really did enjoy it. And I, I don't know what, yeah. I don't know what happened last time. Um, but yeah, I did, I did really enjoy it. I felt like, the two, well, the three stories, I guess, could have all been episodes by themselves in their own right. They, they could easily have fleshed them out. So they're all three really good stories, all with their own effort. You know, we could probably do an hour's podcast on each one of those stories if we wanted to, because, you know, there's quite a few dilemmas in there. I liked all the callbacks. 
to the previous episodes. I thought that was really clever, the way that was done. I think there's about 14 or 15 in there. I think there's a mention from every single episode. Well, I've got a thing. There's a, there's a reference to every previous episode, all 18 previous episodes, there's something in there. So if you watch yeah, it, you'll so find something. Yeah. That, that's really clever. Um, I thought both niche, the actress that played her, and uh, Wallo, I thought were brilliant. I thought the way they, they spoke was really added to it. Um, so yeah, I thought it was a really, really good episode. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think what you said absolutely was something I was thinking that for me, each of the three episodes or elements, sorry, could be episodes and they were all compelling, I think, in their own way. Like they were classic, what I would call Black Mirror. There was that dark undertone to it, but there was that that kind of edge of the technology where you could see why they would invent it or want it. And yeah, each one had its its undertone. And the fact that they were all linked along with the reveal at the end that yeah for me i just i just really really enjoyed it because of that and i thought the acting again by everyone so even the ones in the, the individual stories i mean the guy who played the doctor i mean that's a role and a half yeah. you've got to play there right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh talk about the, the reveal at the end i mean i i can almost i don't remember off the top of my head but you can almost kind of you know think though that it could be you know his daughter at that point in time but you would never, in my opinion anyway, have realised that, you know, the mother's consciousness was inside yeah. Nish, you know. It's that. It's like a twist and a twist. It's like almost like Inception in terms of, you know, it's like there's yeah, these kind of yeah. layers of um, uh, twists and things in there. So, yeah, I didn't see that one coming for sure. And to be probably, I didn't, I didn't think i seen the Nish being uh, the daughter yeah, of Yeah, I, I, I didn't see her being the daughter up until she revealed it, of course, but I felt like that was a really clever, really clever way of doing it. Because obviously throughout, like at the start, we just, because she kind of said that she was from England, didn't she? She was from Britain and had a British yes, accent. Right, yeah. And then so part of the reveal was like, oh, I don't have a British accent. I'm actually from here um, type thing. So it's, yeah. Yeah, I didn't see it coming. You see the start of the episode, you see her messing around with the air conditioning. And then you see, you know, Rollo drinking the water. It's almost as if he thought something. He drinks the water really fast as well. You can see he's sweating. You can see he's, you know, he's really thirsty and things. And it's just like something's not right here. Yeah, you know, and it's quite clever, isn't it? Because they capture these what everyday moments like him having a drink, and you quickly skip over it as a that's an everyday thing. Yeah, Aye. and then when you get to the end, you realise actually that was quite a big moment in this story. Um, you don't realise yeah. it at the time. Well, like the the news report of the weather yes, girl being murdered. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, who'd have thought, right? That's what I was going to say. I think what they did clever, I didn't see the twist coming. I think I allowed myself just to get carried away with the episode. But I think the reason being is, one, you don't really get a sense of time, how much time has passed, I think, over the stories. So I th- I, or maybe I missed it. Maybe they do say it. But also, I think saving Clayton's story till the end, I think, means you have less time thinking maybe that issue there for revenge or anything but also where I thought it was going to go with him acting odd was I was wondering if it was a museum where he would then bring people in and he would murder them or capture them and put them into some sort of exhibit so I thought it was going to be the opposite twist which is maybe the obvious twist I thought he was luring them in and he was acting weird because he had something in him some part of this tech or something that made him basically get off on feeling fear or something yeah See as well, sorry, before we uh, we go into scores and things, see where it kind of, you know, she, when she first came into the museum, his initial thoughts were, come on, let's go and see the main attraction, because that's what people done. You know, they just they skipped yeah. by everything, but she wanted to incriminate him with him telling these stories about where these artefacts came from, because she was recording them the whole time. And so that was him incriminating himself. So, yeah, she could have went to the main attraction and seen her dad sooner, but she wanted this whole revenge and, you know, she was very patient in doing it. And like you say, Dan, it was very well executed. I think it gives you no time to think about it. And and then it, it is like a usual suspects ending, isn't Aye, it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do, Go on, Dan. Do, do you know what's funny about that whole scene where he, he kind of made it at the start? He goes, the main attraction is behind the red curtain, but actually look around the other stuff first because it, it's, it's all good. It did actually, ironically, at the time when I was watching it, reminded me of when I took my kids to Madame Two Swords, 
and they wanted to skip past every single like you know he's only seven years old he wanted to go straight to the marvel section he wasn't bothered about (laughs) you know the the famous singers of the celebrities he wanted to go straight to marvel and see spider-man and the hulk and ironically it might it reminded me of that scene and then actually later on in the episode he described madame two swords and kind of what what he was aiming for so i thought that was quite funny it is interesting. He plays a really interesting character because, like I said, there's obviously something in him that, well, the stuff he's invented anyway is is bad enough. Then having the museum with all these, I, I, I forgot what I called it, criminal, criminologically historical artifacts. But it's almost like he's really angry that he was fired from that role in the hospital. And he's angry that he's he's just reduced to this. It's almost like he still wanted to be out there doing more of the actual suffering. Yeah. And you kind of got that feeling from him, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. There's a few things I've got before we sort of look at wrapping up. So Black Museum was the original name for the Crime Museum, which was a museum of crime artifacts at Scotland Yard. There you go. So it's actually something based on truth. They believed the museum served as an, an analogy, easy for me to say, to the series which is about finding addictive entertainment value in the plight of removed dystopias. Now, did any of you in your looking at this find out what the idea or the reason for the first element was, the Doctor one? Do you know what created that? So do you know Penn Gillette, you know, from uh, Penn and Teller, Mm -hmm. the the magicians? So Penn Gillette wrote a short story called The Pain Addict, and it was based on an actual experience he had. So in 1981, he was in a Spanish hospital where he found it difficult to get a diagnosis due to the language barrier. So he he conceived of a technology that allowed the doctor to understand what pain a person was suffering, but led to the doctor's addiction to the pain of others. And the story continued with the doctor beating people to feel their pain and engaging in sadomasochism. So it actually came from a short story that was never published, but I think he contacted... Oh, sorry, no, it was published as a short story in 88. And Gillette met with Brooker before the production of the third series to tell him about this story. So, yeah, it all came from that, which I love. I love how some of these things come together. So before we get into scores, does anybody want to say anything else about any of the episode general or any of the elements do you see yourself so as three elements of technology here would you see see yourself ever in a circumstance where you would sign up for any of those three elements of technology <laughs> or put them in Definitely order of the the most one. likely well number three would be at the bottom do you reckon i, I reckon think. number two would be at the bottom the thought of having someone <sighs> in your head the whole time well hold on no are you saying whether you would be that person Let's 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 so let's, let's order the let's order them in, in like in stages of one to three. So number. Let's t- have it if the technology is done to you though. Right. Technology is technology is done to you. Which one would you rather have? Yeah, which one would you rather have compared to which one you'd least likely want to have? I think oh, actually, tell what Dan, you've asked the question. You go first. <laughs> I don't think that's how this works. But I, James, I tend to do this when I, when there's a question, I'll, I'll let Dan go first. I yeah. think number three, the third one, creating a digital consciousness. I think I could live with that happening. So I'd put that as my not my favourite, but the most the one I'd want. I can't remember, I can't work out the double negatives how to explain that, but I'd put that I'd put I'd put that as number one because I think I can live with a digital version of myself um, because I'd be dead, so I think that'd be fine. And then it's between uh, the feeling of his pain. I think I'd put the feeling of other people's pain, having that power, I'd, I'd put as number two, and then the least, the one I'd want the least is having someone in my head. Okay. What about in your Xbox controller or your PlayStation controller? <laughs> <laughs> James. Right, okay. I think, yeah. And the one with, you know, the consciousness, that's last. You know, I wouldn't fancy that at all. Um, I'm going to switch. I know, I, know I, I sat in the fence earlier on when we asked this question. Um, but certainly, uh, just to be different. <laughs> I'm going to put the, the hair on it. Um, number one, purely because I feel, I think actually that, you know, I would do for good and I wouldn't make the same mistakes as the doctor did and become addicted to the pain. I would find a way to manage that. And the digital hologram, 
Yeah, I'll put that number two. I think I match you, James. I would definitely have the consciousness thing bottom. That would be awful, wouldn't it? I would have the digital bit second because, yeah, then like you saw, it became a plaything for someone else. And I was thinking, I guess also is, are they having to capture it at your death? So again, you know, if I'm like 90 and can barely walk, what's my digital version of me going to do? <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> He won't be running down the street. Let's play. <laughs> yeah, he won't be running down the street. Well, I don't do that now, to be <laughs> fair. So, um, so, yeah, I think I would go for the physical sensation here and, and hope I do it for good as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good question, Dan. Good question. Anything else before we wrap up? No. We are going to give scoring. I think we should go to the guest first then. Okay, um, so... On our podcast in Seismic Cinema, we did a Black Mirror ranking. We rated our top 10 Black Mirror episodes. And I can't remember what I gave this. I know it wasn't number one um, in my list, but I'm going to give it a 10. I'm going to go 9.5, I'll give it a 10. Okay. Yeah. Dan, I don't have, because I'm on... A different laptop. I don't have our previous scores here. Oh, so. come on. You know I use that as a reference point. Yeah. Because um. <laughs> well, I'm thinking like James, because I really like this, but I don't think it's necessarily my top one, but I it's going to be close there. So what's yours? I, your I wanted to put it 0.1 below what I scored for White Christmas. <laughs> but can't... I can't remember what I scored for White Christmas. Um, so I'm going to take an educated guess. I'm going to give it 8.9. Gonna give it eight point nine. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm gonna give it a nine point two because I'm trying to hedge my bets because I'm sure I've given a nine point four to something. So, look, look, I really, really enjoy this episode. I, I think it's brilliant. Oh, I did actually want to ask you guys, sorry, about the fact that it's it's a celebration of all the previous episodes as well. I mean, what did you think about that? Because now it is clear the Black Mirror universe is a real universe now. I think that's now, because we always joke, Dan, don't we, about, oh, are we going to see the Prime Minister reference or or Waldo? And we think it could just be a little in-joke for the programme. But this is now d- definitive Black Mirror is a shared universe, right? So it, that makes it interesting, right? Yeah, yeah, agreed. I, I, I like the way we did it. I thought it was a, a clever clever way of doing it. And it, it didn't take anything away from the story they were telling, which I think you can sometimes do with some of these, you know, we're trying to flash back to the past. So yes, I thought it was cleverly done. Discreetly, but cleverly in your face. Yeah. Yeah. Like the names of the rats. And also the other one I found was, I can't remember what character it was. It was either Jack or the Sun, but it's reading a comic called 15 Million Merits, yeah. which was obviously That's based right. on that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's a clever little thing like that. Okay, James, any any final words? It's always a horrible phrase to say, isn't it? Any final words on, on this episode? Just the... You've said there that they were, there was a mention of every episode. It's a celebration of every episode. I thought when I watched it, when I seen it, you could tell it was like a, a kind of homage to every other episode. And I thought when I when I when I seen this, it's maybe the, the last Black Mirror episode that there would be because it's kind of referencing every other kind of episode in some way, shape, or form. So I'm glad it's not. I mean, there's some good episodes thereafter, but. Um, this is always one I would go back to. So I, yeah, if I've if you're watching, listening to this, then check this episode out because it's definitely top top three for me. Actually, really good point. It did feel like you could almost imagine it being the final episode of the series, right? Yeah, yeah, it did. It did have that feel. I wonder um, if that's how he intended revenge. it, though. Whether he didn't know he was going to make any more after this. Maybe. Oh, and actually, you just reminded me as well, James, that that. They are now doing, Dan, did you see they are doing a spin-off series of USS Callister, aren't they? They are, yeah. Are they? I didn't know that. Yeah, did you, did no, you, no. Did you not see the news? No. Oh, yeah, yeah, because somebody, somebody tagged me in. I think it might be somebody in your pod as well. Somebody tagged me in. Yeah, they're going to do almost like a mini-series of USS Callister. Nice. So, <laughs> yeah, that is my favourite episode, USS Callister, just because it's the Star Trek references. So, yes. Get you on for that. Because yeah. Dan actually said, didn't you, Dan? You said, I think you thought that that was your first episode you saw and you thought it was going to be all about that, didn't you? Yeah, because when I started watching Black Mirror, I think Netflix orders them in a really weird order. Um, they do, even, they do, yes. e- even today yeah. they order them in a weird order. And I remember watching it and I watched the first episode and this was the first one on their list at the time. 
Um, and like, yeah, like Dan said, I, I thought everything was going to be based around this starship because like, I knew nothing about Black Mirror. So when I watched the second one and none of those characters are in it, <laughs> I, I felt a bit confused. But uh... <laughs> Yeah. Okay. James, thank you very much for coming on. Oh. enjoyed having your voice on to discuss this. Thank you very much for having me on, man. It's, uh, I've enjoyed it very much. Do you just want to just shout the podcast again before we go? Yeah, okay. So we are um, Seismic Cinema and we are a film and TV podcast. We also do Seismic Soccer, which is a football podcast. We talk about everything in terms of football around the world. Um, you can find us on YouTube, Threads, Instagram, Facebook, um, all the socials that are out there. And Colin will give me a row, actually, if I don't do this. So I'm going to say it. So we are Seismic Cinema. And we believe in the power of escapism, which is our kind of tagline, our motto. So check us out, folks. Aye, thank you. For us, uh, we'll be back. Actually, Dan, I think the next episode in chrono- chronological order was that Bandersnatch, but I, I think I want to save that till the end. Did you ever watch? I've, Did I've, never, wa- watch? I've yeah, never watched that, that one. Yeah. Because I want to be able to take... Yeah. I want to take my time with that and I want to do do that properly. And then, because you and I are probably going to have different things. So I think we'll probably skip s- straight to series five, episode one, which will be Striking Vipers. Yeah, and we'll we'll come back to Bandersnatch. I think we'll make Bandersnatch the last episode we do. So Dan, anything from you before we go? No, nothing else for me. Well, catch the next Cast Reflections on Black Mirror. It will be out hopefully in a week's time. We'll see you then. If I want your opinion, I will give it to you. Come on, take what we've got, cause you need it. Don't make us get a spark and force me.